episode 39 of the Metro Fan TV rundown. I don't even know Inky can call this TV anymore. It's been a while since we've done anything in video. This is a radio show, ladies and gentlemen, and it's been a while, like I said at the top of the episode. The last time we spoke, we had just fired Chris Armis. That was a really long time ago. It's been, it's been a few months since, and a lot of things have happened, and that is why we're here to talk about it right here, right now. Metrofan TV coming to you live. Blends and Fernando, as always, well, maybe not always since it's been a while, on hand to try and talk about and decipher everything that has transpired in the last few busy months. How are you this morning slash evening, Fernando? I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm very, very excited to, to go to the game tomorrow. I'm extremely, extremely hyped. Have you finally decided to venture outside the house again? Yeah, this will be the first time I'm like leaving Alice to do something that's not going to fucking shop right um, or target for, you know, livable items or seeing like my brother. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's pretty much the only time I ever leave this, this house. So I am fully vaccinated. Now, uh, Pfizer gang, stand up. And uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to see uh, the real world again. So your third booster but... shot gang, basically. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> third, third shot, TBD. All right. But ladies and gentlemen, this isn't all that we've had up our sleeves because on this very special episode of Metro Fan TV, we have decided to do the most ambitious crossover in RBNY podcast history. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, of our two special guests tonight, we have Juan Escalante, repeat guest on the show. How are you, Juan? Hello, guys. How's it going? I'm feeling good. Uh, halfway vaccinated. Hopefully, I'll be at RBA in time for the uh, for the Chris Armis return leg. Well, as you know, that this is an episode of Side of Back Fan TV now, right? Seeing as how everybody needs to boost their shots and shit. But we're not here <laughs> to talk about vaccines. We're here to talk about soccer. And none other than... And who else to turn to than none other than streamer extraordinaire, Valorant pro gamer... And View from 202 co-host, Peaches Chang. How are you, Peachy boy? You guys uh, come out with the regularity of a season of One Punch Man, huh? Um, (laughs) I'm very honored to be here, um, of course. Um, You know, Pfizer gang, stand up. uh, What's good? Um, I'll actually be fully vaccinated um, tomorrow during the game, you know? So the Red Bulls season will have ended COVID for me. (laughs) Oh, wait, are you getting vaccinated, like, on the field, like, at the game? Yeah, Uh, we decided it's in the best interest that we do that instead of the National Anthem. (laughs) That's With a narration done by Mike LaBelle, right? Like, everybody's like, what's what's more patriotic than stopping Asian hate, no? (laughs) (laughs) Instead of the National Anthem, we just play songs by the vaccines. These are all the takes I can't get out in 202 because it's so serious. Because no one wants to talk about 90, not 90s, 2010 era indie rock from England. Uh, yeah, <laughs> remember Breaking Bar? That was in FIFA 2011. That was great. It lasted like two minutes and it still felt like it went on too long, to be honest. Shout out to FIFA 10 gang, though. I think like FIFA 10 definitely had like the best uh, FIFA soundtrack in years. I think yeah, I kind I of say, attribute... That's the apex of music. You know, like... Yeah. 
we did it. Well, why why make more music after the FIFA oh, yeah. 10 soundtrack? Whatever, yeah, whichever, whichever FIFA game had the last, whichever soundtrack had the last um, uh, Water Fountain by Two and Yards. That was probably like FIFA 14, I think. That was probably the last good one. I think my PlayStation had broken by then because I'm a tragic fella. <laughs> R.I.P. my like 10 season save of MLB 11 the show where I had like a Hall of Fame career. We have a guy named Jesus. Yeah, like the Hall of Fame bar was like all <laughs> the way like to the right at the oh, age man. of 29. And I had like a career ERA of like 2.3. Wow, and, then wow. this, and, and then my PlayStation just exploded. RIP. Couldn't handle it. Yeah, couldn't handle the heat. Just like how uh, just like how you're not about to handle this smoke that's about to come your way as we preview the 2021 season. Dearly departed like my PlayStation is Chris Armis. And in his place, we find the Austrian wunderkid, Gerhard Struber, who will be taking over day-to-day management at the team going into the 2021 season. And of course, guys, I think I had to set the scene, you know, as we uh, transition into talking about the team in a bit more detail this year. Like, um, I gain a sense that there's a sense of intrigue around the league surrounding our team for the first time what kind of seems like forever. Right, like I think it was just possibly positive intrigue rather than the negative intrigue we saw under Chris Armis, where he had no idea what the fuck you were going to see on the field week in, week out. Right? A positive intrigue, I say positive intrigue because, you know, I guess in a way, like we don't really know what to expect from the team this year, right? A lot of unproven quantities, a lot of unknowns. But in a way, that kind of leaves the room for to catch a lot of people off guard, right? And when I say that, I'm really especially reminded of the 2015 season where despite the relative lack of fanfare going into the season, we've made a few pretty interesting under-the-radar moves that support specifically the implementation of a pretty, what seems to be a pretty detailed and structured tactical plan right on the playing side of things with the players that we've recruited to play under Struber in particular. And if you follow the uh, trends and the archetypes of players that we have brought in specifically, there's really strong evidence suggesting that the play at the team is going to play a very specific kind of way. Right. So I think we'd definitely say that that first game that we are going to play against SKC tomorrow is probably going to be one of the most interesting games that we're going to play in quite some time. So to harken back to this point that I talked about in terms of player recruitment to fit a specific tactical system, you know, I think you just look at the list of uh, players that we brought in and how they play, right? First up top, you have Fabio and the newly announced, soon to be announced, I would presume, Patrick Clamala, right? You have uh, two really rangy, fast, physical forwards who fit this... um, 4-4-2 narrow diamond that Schubert seems to be wanting to deploy. Because as we know, in this tactical system, you generally have the two strikers there leading the front of the press. They, with uh, the middle part of the field specifically being compressed, to force the ball out wide and trigger a press against the touchline uh, in order to try and force the opposition to continuously pass the ball backwards and deny uh, the uh, space in the central channels. So, you know, I think um, this is probably going to be a pretty good place to start, right, about talking about 
um, observations of the kinds of personnel that we've brought in. And, you know, I think what makes it nice to see is that this has a knock-on implications, I think, on the rest of the team lineup as well, right? Because I think one thing that we can expect to see is that a lot of roles that we've been accustomed to in the past years have changed, right? Um, on top of the uh, different roles of the strikers that I just went over, right? We're going from a, one of the top two in front of teams. It also means that the central attacking midfielder will probably be asked to do something a bit differently than what we saw under the now dearly departed Kaku. Let's pour one out for that poor guy. I hope he doesn't seem to be having the time of his life in Saudi Arabia. But it also means that we're probably not going to be relying on the central attacking midfielder to be, like, I think, conducting, to be orchestrating the offense that much. You know, probably won't be seeing as many um, line-breaking through passes. But rather, I think you're starting to see with the acquisition of players, like I think Frankie Amaya, uh, that the 10 potentially will be asked to be more of a pressing playmaker rather than like a passing playmaker, if you know what I mean, right? Like a, and that's why we've also emphasized a lot of players who are capable with the ball at their feet, being able to dribble and shuttle up the ball because we're not going to be as expectant on line-breaking passes as much, I think. It's all about quick vertical movement in Schubert's uh, system. So... Let's begin there, guys. I mean, like, how do you feel uh, going into this season, I think, uh, of all the personal changes that we've uh, observed? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's, you know, the usual suspects for a while, at least with the MLS media, is completely downplayed and brushed off uh, pretty much anything that's happened with this with this team in this offseason, which is, you know, I, I try my best. Obviously, we should post a lot on Twitter about it, but I really don't get mad typically. At, at you know these idiots, but uh, it definitely has struck a bit of a nerve uh, this offseason. No, no, no. Just because Tell us how you really feel, <laughs> but like this was, I, f- I feel like this was an offseason where even if you're a bit of a skeptic, you have to at least acknowledge that there is a real commitment to to fixing things, right? A, tw- a potential twelve player overhaul at this point. Uh, you have to assume Patrick is a, is is a done deal. 12-player overhaul this offseason, a lot of those players are going to be either pushing for, for, for starting spots or pretty much penciling for for, for, uh, for starting spots. That, that's a big haul. I mean, and then it, that, that there's the fact that, you know, they paid $2.5 million to bring to bring a manager over. Um, these aren't small things. And I feel like it was if it was any other team, they would have, you know, they would have gotten more recognition. And I hate always saying that. I hate always bringing up how, like, oh, you know, you know, and love us, admire us, but it's just after a while, it just gets annoying and frustrating. You know, just because not that you have to kind of be over optimistic, but sometimes it's kind of hard to to push even our own fan base to to ignore those people um, and maybe just kind of like refocus a little bit and acknowledge that you know, there are good things happening here. That said, I do think that once the Amaya rumors started, which is almost around the same time where the Patrick rumors really, really became serious, I felt like there was a bit of a change, even within some of those usual suspects where it's, okay, maybe there actually is something big going on. They're, they're you know, going after someone like, uh, 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 like Frank Amaya, who is a pretty solid, pretty solid out prospect, who I think this is a perfect team for, for his, uh, 
you know, for his type of uh, his type of play, spending potentially about five million or saying four four point eight five million after add-ons uh, for Patrick, uh, which is funny because we had all those rumors for um, uh, God for what's his name. Um, Siad Haksibanovich, probably. Yes, yes. You know, there was all the buzz about him, and then that fell off. So, of course, that played into the whole, see, they're cheap bullshit. They're not going to do anything. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, last second, it's, okay, actually, no, they are going to spend just about what they said they didn't want to spend on him. They're going to spend on a striker instead. So there's just a lot of parts, I feel like, in the last two weeks um, has kind of changed some of the narratives, I think, even with some of the usual suspects. Um, but as far as the, the people who matter, you know, the actual fans, um, I, yeah, this is, I have not, I have not seen this type of like widespread, like buzz and positive feeling in a long, long time, even 2015. I mean, 2015, there was no positive buzz. People were fucking pissed. People were screaming. People were angry before that first whistle fucking blew. So even then, it's different. It's the same in a sense that there's a lot of question marks and there's a lot of big changes, both on the sporting side and uh, on, you know, as far as players and also the sporting management. But it's different in the sense that there was no positive buzz at all, not even from the fans. This is different. Well, there's this... I would just contrast. Like 2015, there was not that much offseason movement like we have uh, this season. No. Yeah, well, I, I think for 2015, it wasn't so much the, well, for one, I think this actually might be the biggest, like, one, you know, biggest single offseason in one window we've seen, I don't even know how long. It's been a long time. 12 players, is it's that's a big, that's a big, big overall, especially. No, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, I was, I was watching the Chelsea offseason uh, last winter or summer, whatever, um, winter, I think, yeah. Um, and it, it very much kind of feels like the MLS version of that. I mean, we're just kind of replacing almost an entire uh, lineup of players with yeah. just one transfer window. And um, it's crazy because it's not like previous windows where like half of them might be RB2 players or Academy players. You're kind of like, okay, like most of them are going to be sent down RB2 and, you know, whatever. Like these are your the majority players, of these yeah. players. Yeah. yeah, majority of these players are from the outside. So th- these are significant moves. So... I, I don't know if part of it is because like, you know, we're we're, we're hopefully in a tail end of COVID or at least the beginning parts of some sense of normalcy where after a year it's like we kind of get to go outside and, and just enjoy something for once. I think that might be part of the excitement. But when you bundle that in with, with the type of offseason this team has had and, and when you see the, the the training clips and you hear the players talk, there's a genuine buzz within them. And excitement within well within them that I think is definitely like trickling in, into the fan base, and I, I really think it's it's a, it's a bunch of stuff kind of just combining to what is going to hopefully be an incredibly awesome season. This is a yeah, I think like, if, Fernando. Oh, go ahead, Juan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think uh, the comparisons back to 2015 is like it's a new manager, a new crop of players in key positions where you don't quite know what to expect. Uh, but the difference being that in 2015, when Jesse said, uh, we're going to play like an energy drink, we're like, what the fuck is that? What is this energy drink soccer you talk about? And now, what, five, six years later, we're like, bring, please, energy drink soccer, please. 
Yes. Yeah, you know, I think it's like, like like the optics are so are so much different when you part with a relatively unpopular manager. That's the big off-season personal change, right? Um, oh, yeah. In comparison, well, even Thierry retired too, so it's like. Yeah, I mean, like that was a pretty massive void at the time, eh? Uh, I mean, I guess you do have uh, those uh, literal. I mean, you do have a bit of a comparison, right, with the the uh, Kaku drama that transpired at the off-season. Still doesn't seem like it's been fully resolved as of now, but this could entirely be that thing just kind of quietly goes away. Uh, Can I just jump in real quick about that point? I just want to add that I think it's really interesting that that there's so much buzz about us going into the season with everything that's happened that I think the majority of fans don't even give a shit anymore about like what's happening with that. With Kaku, Part of it oh, feels yeah, like, sure. yeah, like no, I genuinely stories like, about, about Kaku. I, I mean, yeah, I think like, I honestly so forgot like, about him on, on until about our, 10 minutes our, ago. Like, on our fan base, everyone's almost mature enough to just be like, what's done is done already, you know? Just let it yeah. die. Um, yeah, it's, it's I mean, what this is what they were hoping to happen, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I like, I, I well, would really here, go out and that kind of. This is a line I think you'd like, Fernando, um, is that given the conditions of the past year or so, especially like with uh, sports clubs in general, um, having the resources to make any kind of off-season move or this many of them is, you know, something that can only be done by an ownership group that has a, a stable, like, financial background. And, and that is true. there's none other like that than, you know, probably Red Bull or uh, Citigroup in MLS. And apparently so his, apparently his wealth, for the most part, right? Citigroup, like, fuck New York, I don't... <laughs> Yeah. Well, apparently, Red Bull's uh, uh, Rebels growth has like spiked like incredibly in the last year because everyone just staying up doing work for seventy two yeah. hours a day at home, hopped up know? on fucking Red Bull Coke. Yeah, <laughs> I reminded them of the guy Red Bull like, and Coke. Milk in his milk just so he gets more milk, like per ratio. Like that's right. probably the equivalent of putting Coke in your Red Bull, so you get more out the can. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty sick, dude. Like that's like I think seven times your recommended daily amount of caffeine. But I'd be down for it. Be hugging Jack to the tits, dude. <laughs> Probably better than coffee, if you ask me. But yeah, that's an interesting thing. You know, I mean, like, it, it's pretty interesting that the off-season movement has more or less obscured what would otherwise probably be, like, the central, most um, biggest talking point this off-season, which was the rather acrimonious departure of your talismanic playmaker, Right. And here we are on the eve of the season, and we've kind of already almost kind of forgotten about it, right? Because I think in part mm-hmm. it's uh, due to the sense we may have that the roles are changing, right? So even if he stayed at Ikea, he was probably going to find himself in a role where uh, he'd probably have uh, those um, his ability to k- make those killer through balls like kind of uh, underscored. No, sorry, no. Um, emphasize less, I should say. Emphasize less, yeah. Because if you look, again, like going back to the, like, the profiles of the players that we brought in, right? Like I think one thing that uh, links all of our um, midfield personnel together is that these are guys who are just really comfortable with bringing the ball up, shuttling the ball with the ball with their feet, which really implies that from the moment that we win the ball back in the press, right? It's just go, right? Like off the ball, they're all dribbling and everything, all the off-ball movement from the time we get it back, go. Make quick forward passes, open up space with a variety of dribbles into space, right? Draw defenders upon them, 
make available quick combinations here and there. But it's basically just going to be like direct on the like on the ground, like from the moment that we he win the ball back in the press. You know, I mean that's certainly my impression. But guys, I was like Cameron Harper, even Siad Haksibanovic, right? When we were in for him, when you look at his highlight reel, when you see how he dribbles with the ball in transition, it's like a freight train, basically coming right at yeah. you. Plays right very now. direct. Plays very direct. No bullshit. As soon as he gets the ball, it's just it's basically like on FIFA where you're holding R2, right? You're holding the switch <laughs> button down the whole way. But that's basically what happens the moment you win the ball back in this press. You know, just like sweaty bastards. Yeah, none of this fucking bullshit five star skills nonsense, by the way. Like what the fuck, dude? Like <laughs> R2, get into the box, make like a make like a square pass, maybe, circle, boom. Rinse, repeat. Until uh, the opponent rage quits and they have to, and you and you get a three 0 forfeit. You know, I think. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, wonder if part. I wonder too, though, if like part of the reason why people kind of just don't care about Gakko, it just popped in my head is we. It's been how many off seasons of like this constant like threat of is he going to leave? Is he going to leave? And we're kind of all like, okay, whatever. Like, dude, bye. He's got like the worst like team of professionals around him, though. I mean, like, was, yeah, it really is not great, honestly. Uh, like I, I don't recommend ever watching Saudi pro league highlights. It's really, it's really du- some dire soccer. Um, he does what I do in my career mode and like your create own player in FIFA. Every oh, yeah. transfer when I just transfer me, transfer me, transfer me. No, I never get <laughs> traded. I swear to you, I played it the last season I played. I was with the rebels for like 10 years. I'm like, I'm worth $79 million. Why won't anyone buy me? That's pretty much what God does. Just like every transfer window, just please <laughs> someone take me. Oi, oi. Um, I guess um, that um, kind of, you know, I think uh, it's, it's worth analyzing, I think, some of these changing roles in a bit more detail now, right? I think uh, with the um, shift in uh, the pers- uh, personnel that we've observed, um, I touched upon the strikers earlier um, in the uh, episode, but I think uh, the, the big question mark, I think, for us, right, is how we're going to be fitting all the midfield acquisitions into this narrow 4-4-2 diamond that we seem to think Kerhard Schubert has generally preferred to implement over the course of this weekend, right? I think uh, you saw aspects of it, you know? I think you have one midfielder sitting relatively deep, right, as the ball-winning midfielder. You have two shuttlers right in front of him, shuttling the ball back and forth. And then, as I mentioned, the very top of that diamond is going to be, you know, more of a pressing guy. Oddly enough, like if we kept him around, like that would have been a perfect role for Mark Shotkowski. I'm, I, I'm sorry, I, I have, I have to use that taboo name on this podcast <laughs> because it illustrates the role that I think a ten will be playing in the system specifically. It's not a traditional ten, right? Like I've said, like basically at the top of the episode, it's not a traditional ten. We're not expecting him to orchestrate the um, attack through by triggering like uh, through like through through balls or line cutting passes. No, right. I think it's going to be a bit more like what you saw of, uh, you know, I think Emil Forsberg is another really good comparison, right? Even though he had that passing ability as well. It's going to be about the way the tip of that diamond plays on the off on the space manipulation that's created by the two strikers pressing forward and haranguing the opposition back line, right? Because if there's one thing that we know about 4-4-2s in this day and age is that they've come back in a bit of vogue because of the defensive balance and flexibility 
that they provide off the field to a team's defensive shape, right? You can press either line in a relatively symmetrical way. <clears throat> and it also ties up one striker to each opposition center back so that you immediately create pressure the moment teams try and play out the back. You know, and I think that's the interesting thing, right? The tip of the spear, the tip of the diamond, the shape is supposed to shade that movement by either striker in the event that the ball goes out to a team playing from out on the back. You know, and I think um, in that sense, you know, I mean, um, all things considered, like, um, I don't, all things considered, like, uh, it's very clear that in a setup like that, you will definitely see that the goal is to compress that middle part of the field, right? To flush the ball out wide, to flush people into playing out the back. And as a result of that, like, uh, most of the width will actually be being provided by our fullbacks, which is, I think, why you also saw, like, very attack-minded fullbacks with a decent cross in them, you know, being brought in. Uh, it, it, it all points towards a pretty, like, uh, interesting shift. Uh, and th towards the implementation of a particular plan. Now, of course, I'm just spitballing. Maybe Schubert pulls a surprise when we uh, come out against SKC, but this is what we've observed so far, and I think we've def the personnel that we've brought in definitely supports that. Like, uh, so, I don't know, like, uh, do you guys have a, be able to shed some insight about how we're going to be unpacking, uh, sorry, and how we're going to be setting up in midfield this year? Like, uh, I think that's probably going to be the number one question in most people's minds, considering the uh, personnel that we have on hand. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. um, obviously, having these two shuttlers are um, uh, kind of important to understand in, in how we're going to be setting up, I think, here in the system. Um, I think, you know, like, our six is, is what, kind of looking um, Davis-heavy. Whereas um, I think we're learning that uh, Catharsis isn't, you know, at least in my opinion, uh, we've had bouts about this on 202, um, that I, I, I think he's a little bit better in maybe that shuttler role versus being in that, uh, you know, deeper lying playmaking six. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about this and, and Cork mentioned this on 202, but, you know, that six is going to be doing a lot of kind of you know, not long diagonal passes, but kind of these short passes, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of a, a deeper lying Regista type of player, um, you know, Jorginho uh, springs to mind, um, where you can make both um, defensive plays and, you know, really set up um, for what the attack's going to look like, um, not necessarily making the play itself, but, you know, making the important play to make sure that the play happens. Um and then, yeah, like you're, you're saying, like, we have a bunch of dribbly boys now. Uh, that we can <laughs> 10. Um, I mean, like, I, I think that Omir Fernandez has a unique talent for, for this sort of thing. Um, we might be seeing more of him. We, we might not. Who knows with him? He's kind of like Schrodinger's Omir. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I, we have so many midfielders. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, if you look at, like, the, the way this midfield, uh, Struber wants to set up this midfield, and the guys we have, you can sort of see the guys who we've seen, they kind of have different skill sets um, that could fit these sorts of different roles. Um, you know, we have, you have Drew Yearwood, who is, wants to be very physical, 
but uh, you know, is capable of hitting quick switches to fullbacks, can carry the ball, can make deep runs. You have CCJ, who might not be as mobile, but uh, is similarly as crafty. Cameron Harper might be playing in that role, and we've seen from his highlights that he likes to carry the ball. He likes to dribble, guys. Uh, Sean Akira Davis, we know. Uh, we've just seen him for years, uh, even though you know the, mo- the mo- most recent two seasons haven't been his best, but we know that he likes to play fast. He knows um energy drink soccer um and then some other guys and you know not every diamond midfield is the same uh i'm just to use the example of andrea pirlo played in two different diamonds and uh the diamond he played in at uh, new york city fc was not the same that he played for at uh carlo ancelotti's uh ac milan one he played with uh clarence sadorf and reno gattuso and the other one he played with uh ned grabavoy and a denny's waiter or something <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm honestly like when you look back at that initial NYCFC. Hold on, did you just like, call Frank Lampard a Denny's waiter? Uh, I mean, he might as well be. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, a I waitrose mean, attendant. I don't know what's a more like. Uh, no, he's definitely regional. He's definitely. <laughs> I think uh, I think it was a good shout about um about uh, uh Shikasi because I'm. When he was signed with Salzburg, I mean, playing a played a four four two diamond is pretty much how they've played for a long time. And when he did play with them, I from what I remember, he played that role a lot. Um, so I mean, it, it makes sense that it makes sense that when you say that, you know, that's a player that who, funnily enough, even though he's not here anymore, he probably would have actually fit, you know, fit uh, fit this setup a lot more than he did before. Yeah, because I mean, like you, you could see that that's how he was deployed to a degree in twenty eighteen, right? Despite um, like 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 uh, I think part of the like like uh, yeah, uh, you can tell that it's early with my ability to just stumble over my words, by the way. But um, you know, I think that kind of touches upon one thing that I'm gonna distribute about now. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna drop my diss track right here, right now. But you know, I think like uh, I, I I am a bit worried. Seeing Sean Davis still being deployed back a bit deeper, right as the base of yeah. diamond, because I think if there's one thing that I think is that if we are going to be shifting to to linking to a more of a linking pressing person occupying that central attacking midfielder slot, right? I actually do think that that's also somewhere where Sean Davis just kind of fits better. You know, like uh, like we saw in 2017 that. Um, when he was sort of like uh, helping to anchor that absolute swamp formation that Jesse Marsh had that year, right? That three-three-three-one um, slog that basically forced people to like that that basically compressed the center of the field more than anything else, right? With the personal that we had on hand, like. When you saw him in that role, like leading the press from the front and acting as like sort of like a safety valve for Sasha Question, right? Like in his ability to like just kind of play off a of question and uh, ferry the ball a little bit, link link up the ball, uh, you know, like spread a couple passes here and there um, to uh, spread the play out a little bit into the wide channels when we had the fullbacks pushing up, you know, like. That kind of sounds like something that we're going to be doing this year, doesn't it? Right, like with the advanced, uh, with the advanced, um, you know, um, 
the advanced roles that our fullbacks will be taking up in terms of providing width. Um, that, you know, like, I, I, I don't really know why we're insisting in sticking with him like a, like a, at, at like a, at a, whatchamacallit, at a withdrawn position. Yeah, sorry, the word I was looking for was withdrawn, at a withdrawn position. You know, I, I, I don't think he's, he, he really necessarily has the motor or the engine to cover the amount of space that that position has traditionally required in a Red Bull system. I think especially now that you have someone like Yuba Diara, who personally is my player to watch for this season, right? Which is the kind of a Red Bull defensive midfielder that I think we've been looking for for a couple of years now. It's just a question of health with him, basically. Um, to see Davis continue to get to and really played at the base of the diamond, you know, I'm not really sold that that's his best position basically at the end of the day. You know, I think, um, and I, if there's one thing that I would like to see change, you know, I mean, just put, I, I'd like to see DR there. You know, I think he probably fits a bit better. Um, I just wanted I to say that I think I'm rightfully cynical about Salzburg loan signings. I know I might be a bit of an old head on this, but, um, you know, the track record is not great. Yeah, no, it's not. But, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, I, that's that's definitely a fair point with the synergy signings. But, you know, I mean, like, the, what, what makes DR a bit different for me is that I don't know if it's a question of talent as much as it is health. But that's the reason why he's coming on loan with us to begin with, right? Is that, like, if your knees are made of Swiss cheese, like, it's hard to help the team. You know, I'm going to have to hold myself to my own words, right, that I wrote in Once a Metro, plugging my own article, yes, but if you can't, you can't help the team. You just can't stay healthy, right? I mean, I think like uh, just based on profile of past work alone, like in a vacuum, I think Diara is probably one of be one of the better fits for the base of the diamond. But you know, I mean, like the recurring knee problems are rightfully, you know, I think something that's keeping some people hesitant, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely why it makes it a bit hard to unpack the midfield rules a little bit more. We have a whole bunch of different looks, like. I don't know. Like, uh, what do you guys feel about this uh, whole uh, conundrum? Well, I think with Struber, I'm hoping that uh, Struber can recognize guys' strengths and sort of um, think about roles and think about the midfield as it changes with game states. Like, like I said previously, like not all diamonds are the same. So, you know, for some games, he could think that I want Sean Davis in this deep role. And then in some other situations, I want, you know, a Yuba Diara, I want, yeah. uh, I want, uh, you know, uh, a more uh, uh, defense-minded midfield in that role to, to screen the back four. Because um, that's what, like, having, re having read, like, the, the Once a Metro, plugging some more articles, not the one that I read, but, like, the Struberfest series of articles, right, you saw that Struber was, uh, well, especially during his time at Barnsley, like, he was able to alter the team shape depending on the game state, even like halftime switches. So he, this is a guy, it, what, they didn't just play like the four man diamond midfield. Um, or even if they did, it was with a four man back line or it was with a three man back line. Um, and with like a modern three man back lines, having typically like a, a converted fullback, you can sort of be more flexible in the way you change your shape. And with like the, the glut of guys we have, um, I think it'd be interesting to watch. You know, we haven't played a game yet, which is what it's driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, unless you're one of the intrigue I mean, of this season, because yeah. you know we haven't like 
really like there's no preseason game we can go off of unless you were literally there uh if you're one of the 50 people um there's just like yeah it's a, it's a very enigmatic season i'm um that's kind of like why i'm excited in a way i haven't been in a long way and yeah i mean i think i've heard the same about struber kind of being this kind of like he's fungible in a way um and um he might look at different looks for team to team you know having a lot of options obviously i think is good for that um and you know if we if we look at the level of talent um with obviously a rational eye as um you've mentioned the media often doesn't <coughs> we uh we look like we have starting caliber talent deep through our roster you know uh, across most positions yeah like you can yeah. imagine Struber being like, uh, like you know, I usually I usually like to play with two big strikers, but then in my time in England, they're saying you play one big guy and one small guy, and to me, that is very fascinating. Kind of makes it sound like he's doing a Werner Herzog documentary on English football, which I would like. No, no, no. When you hear Struber speak, he just he is kind of like he's like. No, he is. It is like Werner Herzog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, no. very kind of a breathy, but also. Uh, when I was in the Algiers, I was <laughs> talking with some native children, and they told me, "Imagine a, a white sun, bright as anything you've ever seen before." <laughs> you know, and and that's how he relates tactics days. of the four four two diamond to the players. You know, through I have this assistant. Metaphors. His name is his name is Bradley Carnell. And he is from South Africa, and he tells me about playing in the townships of children, playing the shoeshine football. <laughs> in the 2018 season, when Jesse Marsh <laughs> went to Salzburg. <laughs> no, I, I'm team glad he has... fell apart. <laughs> he would call penalty just, as an excuse to use our Austrian accents. It's oh just, yeah, we're just gonna. Yeah, I think the the the. The RBNY podcast beer is going to be a glot of uh, dueling, her, uh, dueling Gerhards. <laughs> I just want to say uh, that the German country I don't recognize is uh, Switzerland, and uh, I guess oh no, of course not. Liechtenstein is the fakest country in the face of the earth. Anyway, yeah, get out of here. More, well, I, was, I was going to say that Davis is more good... like more like Ligmastein. We'd like to have fun. <laughs> no, I'll say that, that Davis is a good look uh, or a good shout, you know, for, for guys I think that, that really might be poised to kind of break out a bit. Um, I think he's someone that that has been, I mean, obviously, I, I feel misused quite a bit uh, under under Chris Arbus. And it, it is interesting to see that he's kind of going to be in a similar-ish kind of role. But what makes Davis so good is I feel like if there's, I feel like if there's a good enough setup around him, he could probably do better than what Arbus had him trying to do, you know, yeah. playing a little bit deeper. But the good thing about him is you could have him on the field, and if you want to make subs later on in the game, you can either just push him further up. Yeah. He's he's good enough, and he's you know he's got enough experience playing in different parts of the field, doing different roles. Where that's kind of a good guy to have, you know, in your back pocket, where you can just you can you can make changes to the shape, make changes to the roles and tactics, and make subs, and still keep him on the field. You don't have to, you know. Sometimes some guys might be a little more, um, 
I guess one dimensional or or not as versatile as him. And and you know, if you want to make big changes to to your your, your tactics mid game or whatever, you know, sometimes you're kind of stuck either making two subs or making one sub, but then you're kind of stuck. You know, you're, you're yeah. still kind of in a hole a little bit. So I think that's a guy uh, someone to look out. My person to kind of keep an eye out for. More not just like, oh, I think he's going to be like this big, great play this year under Schuber. More I'm just curious to see what happens to him is Omir. I, he excelled in like that 10 and a half role. But I, so I guess because we haven't seen him in a different role, it's hard to say, can he adapt to something else? We don't know. We've, we really haven't been able to see him under uh, a proper manager to see what he really is capable of. You know, can he? Maybe do below those, you know. Below all of a sudden went went from being that that really awesome ten and a half guy to to play different parts uh, with Car- uh, with Carnell. So maybe he's got that kind of versatility. Maybe we've only been able to see one, you know, one one type of play from him, and and now this is our chance to see how we can adapt. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he gets the Alex Wheel uh, Alex Wheel Alex Wheel treatment where. You know, it turns out he is maybe not as versatile and, and he's just not maybe capable of kind of changing his game up a little bit to fit. And, uh, you know, he's just a good player for a different style that the team used to play and won't be playing anymore. He might be that know. number 10. What he might your... be that like that the tip of the diamond, you know. We think about what his skill set is, that he knows how to press, he can play fast, and he can mm-hmm. play one-twos. And it's like, yeah. yep. Wh- why not play there? Yeah, so yeah, not a ten or a shuttling role is what my instincts tell me, right? Because I think our strikers are particularly fit a very certain type now, right? Based on the fact that based on Fabio and Klimala, who we just brought in, because um, we also can't forget that Omir can actually kind of sh- kind of dribble a little bit. I don't know yeah. if he's quite as adept as like you know, say Cameron Harper or uh, you know, or even. Even name some other player here. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I we mean, don't have a whole lot of dribblers. <laughs> we actually don't. Like, that's why I kind of we, blink. We like, the, the last, what, the last like, godly dribbler I think we have was Mike Grilla, and he doesn't even really play the same role, right? Like, I mean, he was definitely yeah. just an yeah. out and out wide player, him and Lloyd Sam, right? Um, but um, I will say, right, um, I think that has been something on the minds of a lot of players particularly you know because i think and i think omir is a pretty interesting incidence of a sea change uh in the formation because i think a lot of people who kind of fit that profile right like say a florian below have been moved to like that central shuttling role a little bit more so um that's definitely why i think it'd probably be as you said like either in that tip of that diamond on the attacking side or in one of the shuttling roles that we see a bit more drawn basically um, I mean, I'd probably say that we'd uh, have to give a predicted starting 11, but I'm not going to do that because I'd like to be no surprised idea. on game day. Um, but um, to circle back a little bit on the, on the earlier conversation about switching looks between, you know, I think a four at the back or five at the back, as Struber has been known to do, right? He did this at Barnsley as well. You know, and I think that kind of brings us to the back line which low-key is an area that I think could need some reinforcement, you know, especially considering the fact that Aaron Long will probably, unfortunately, be stolen from us by that shit-fuck national team, right? Uh, that, un- 
unfortunately we have to deal with in that this in your fucking diseased country that is shit and pulling <laughs> right like <laughs> like like once you look past the depth chart for long you know i think there's not a lot of options that i would say don't come with some question marks you know i think uh amro Tarek is a guy who i have, would generally pin as being a pretty good third option not really so much as like a starter andres reyes is uh, you know i think he clearly has quite a fair bit of potential but is a bit rash and uh, undisciplined at this point in his career and which is a bit Worrying, I would think, for a system, especially that is predicated on being so delicately balanced at all times in the way that you deny space off the ball, right? You can't really have people breaking lines because that opens up a lot of space for runners to potentially into to run into, basically. And of course, you have Sean Nealis, who uh, I mean, like he had um some he showed flashes, right, uh, of being of having made quite some quite a number of strides last year and some of those uh, cameo appearances he had. But, you know, I mean, I think the, the, the big question mark for me is, is that someone is going to have to step up alongside Aaron Long. To, someone is going to have to deputize for Aaron Long. And in the event that we want to deploy a three at the back, like, there's a chance that we may be seeing all three of these guys on the field at any one time, provided that Long is out. Like, we're basically one entry away from from having a number of like potential difficulties you know um i would hope that yeah i don't know i think it's probably one of those wait and see kind of situations but i don't know just looking at the depth chart and paper right now i mean you said this earlier in um the recording too that you know often three in the back will use a converted fullback right yeah um Bit, Unfortunately, yeah. we haven't seen a lot of utility for Manny Egbo, but you know, I think if if worst comes to worst and we need that depth and we're doing that kind of system, you know, a, a guy like that's the type of person you put there, right? Yeah, he played at. I think he played. He was playing with RB two today, and he was playing. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to see if Egbo is is not with the team that much this year. I yeah. I wouldn't count him in. Yeah, I mean, I guess you yeah, do have one option in doing that in, you know, Cal Duncan, who is kind of a bit more of a defensive-minded fullback. But, you know, as we know, like, being a center back, right, especially like one of those wider center backs in that formation, actually does kind of demand uh, different positional demands, right? Like, uh, in terms of where you position yourself off the ball and how you harangue attackers, than you otherwise would if you're like one of the fullbacks, right? It's a completely, it's completely different, it's completely different positional play. I wouldn't quite say it's apples and oranges, but it'd be like oranges to like tangerines, maybe, because I don't know what's closely related to apples, to be honest. Like <laughs> Mandar- mandarins. Wait, mandarins? Mandarins? Like pears? Oh, right, pears. Right. Oh no. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, like looking re- at looking at the. Co- Looking at the core of like who is on who are defenders, I don't necessarily see uh, like a tweener fullback like that. Or it, the only one I guess we're thinking about right-footed guys, but the only one I could think of would be Amro, who can sort of deputize as a left back if need yeah. be. 
That is true. I don't think I don't think Andrew Gutman is best suited to play a center back, but who knows? Because um, we played we played Kamar Lawrence as a center back, uh, which, as we all know, not his not his forte. He was good in that position, but do you want him to be there? I don't think so. No. We played Chris Duval as a center back. We played we Sean Davis. We played Sean Davis as a center back once. Are we just oh, going to name guys who played center back for the New York Red Bulls yes. now? I think we should shouldn't have played center back. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm remembering guys. Michael Amir <laughs> Mario played center back for the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Carl yeah, Wiemet. Carl Wiemet. And Mario was was one of those guys we would play as a converted fullback that if we needed to go yeah, for the back, you just slide right. him over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say the center back position. This is probably the deepest. I want to say probably. I, I think we can confidently say this is the deepest the team has been probably ever. It's actually, I mean, even left back position is pretty, pretty decent now. Um, mm, on paper, I mean, better, number better guys, than it's yeah, been. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, like again, you know, like uh, the, the 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 main concern for me at the center back part is the fact that like you do, I mean, for you do have a number of relatively unproven options after Aaron Long, right? And Aaron Long himself. No, no, no. I said. And I will say, like, on top of that, like, Aaron Long is a bit of a question mark in himself, right? Because it seems that he's a bit downtrodden in recent interviews. Uh, I hope he's, I hope Struber finds a way to get him to buy him back in. But yeah, finish your thought. No, he's just a dad now. Yeah, he's getting three hours <laughs> of sleep every night. Actually, that is true. I, I totally forgot about that. Actually, like, I, I can I can 100% <laughs> believe if that's the case. <laughs> no, but uh, fin- finish your thought, Fernando. Like, sorry for it. No, so no, that's all right. No, I was just saying that um that uh with the left back spot, I mean the 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 dip, the straight up like just jumping off the cliff from Kamar to Lade, I think is much 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 bigger than what it is. From Gutman to Pendant, Pendant, like that. Obviously, Gutman is nowhere near as good as 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 Kamar, but I feel like just depth wise, you know, going down from from Gutman to 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 Pendant is not as harsh as it was from going from Kamar to Late. So at the very least, I think there will be at least a little bit more consistency with that left back, with that uh, left back spot than we've probably had in a long time. So I feel like the 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 ceiling is not as high as it was. When we had Kamara, but the floor I feel is way higher than it was before. The center back spot is really, I feel, the only spot that worries me. And the reason why it worries me, 2016. I have fucking nightmares about 2016 <laughs> when I think about how shallow our center back spots are. Mostly just because Long is probably going to be missing quite a few games because of this stupid bullshit fucking international garbage. That should be banned and never done again, ever, ever. But, I, yeah, I mean, if, if he goes away and, and he's gone for a couple of games, I like Reyes. I do think maybe, not that I was too high on him, but I didn't think he was as raw as maybe he might actually end up being. So if our starting center back pairing is going to be Amro, which is, he's he's a, he's a good center back. I I I don't really want to take anything away. I think he's a good, solid center back. But I don't think, especially in this type of system, he's really someone that you want commanding the back line and definitely not someone that you want like day in, day out, especially now with a height. With, 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 uh, if we're going back to pushing high up 
and there's acres of space behind, I'm not sure how confident I feel if it's Reyes, who is a bit of a, you know, bit of a loose cannon sometimes, who has a very long history and a short time here of getting cars, and Amro, who is just, I don't think, fast and physically good enough to really be able to constantly cover that much space. Yeah, and then from there, from, and then the, do, the drop from there is Nilas, who, yes, he did show flashes of maybe he actually might end up being pretty good, but that's, that's I don't want to say grim, but that's, that's kind of nervous. That makes me a little nervous. I mean, I think we have to remember that a, a lot of those uh, kind of rash or like raw moments you see from more inexperienced center backs like Reyes can be patched up, if not, yeah. you know, like remediated yeah. with good coaching. That, that know, is probably, true. Yeah, being no. in a well-coached system will probably, you know, ameliorate a lot of, I think, these things. So that's also a matter of, um, you know, is Struber, is he worth the hype? Um, do you believe it, you know? This is how he's going to prove his medal, basically, right? I mean, I think uh, we it's definitely need to say that we can't say that he hasn't not been given resources, right, with all the movement that's happened this offseason. So it's really up to him to basically get the most out of these guys, you know? I mean, like, I would it'd be relatively naive to think that the manager didn't have some level of input on the kinds of players that he wanted. And Kevin Thelwell, it seems like, for the most um, part, went and gotten for him. No, no like, sorry. Schubert did not get the guys that he wanted. <laughs> according to a certain stupid fucking idiot from... Um, yeah, but we don't need to listen to him, bro- um, brother. Fucking moron. Like, <laughs> like, we don't need to listen to him, brother. Okay. Like, the, the, the discussion group is not real and it can't hurt you. <laughs> like, he didn't get the people he needed in, in Barnsley. That's why he's here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that whole that whole take is shockingly fucking stupid. I mean, even from even if you just take a step back and, and you're not as much of a nerd as you know as, as we kind of are, just whole EDS shit. It just it just sounds so fucking stupid. You're gonna tell me the guy's just sitting around, you know, in a closet in his fucking room, getting text messages or or, or getting little 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 messages on his little fucking beeper or some shit. Like, hey, we're getting twelve fucking guys. But fuck you, you're not gonna have any input. Like, shut up. That just sounds fucking dumb. <laughs> I, I'm decided. I'm decisively good vibes only, right? The the season. Oh, this is good vibes. Me telling him to fuck off is beautiful yeah, vibes. Yeah. No, oh, no, no. Man. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> like, 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 nah. <laughs> like, you know, we suck. We suck. Like, whatever, bro. I mean, like, it doesn't like whatever. This. <laughs> you know, I will. You know, the one thing that I just popped in my head. You know, it's gonna be interesting. The summer window. Yeah. We have like. No space to add anybody. So, I mean, unless like Fabio kind of just alone runs out. Yeah, alone runs well, we, out. We do. We move. Well, some how many? Staff, but how many half season loans? Do we, I think Fabio is the only half There's season. Fabio is the only one. But you know, like loans can get canceled. And yeah. That, is it uh, is Yuba Diara here for a full year, or is it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the Salzburg guy's a full year. Tom Edwards is supposed to be a full year without an option to buy, but he's. Uh, MIA right now. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but um, let me think. Yeah, uh, how many Salzburg guys have we ever had for a full year? Mark Shotkovsky. Yeah, was, was yeah, I guess he wasn't alone really. Yeah, no, he was like a 2018. Yeah, he, was. Oh, he wasn't right. 2018, and then like we we uh, <laughs> we signed unfortunately him. bought him. <laughs> Oh yeah, we let him go, and then Armus was like, "Actually, come back." Yeah, he, you know, he had two thank you Rizzas, then didn't he? 
Yeah, he did. And Verone <laughs> didn't have one. Had none. Score, the score, <laughs> um, score is Mark Chitkovsky to Gonzalo Verone nil, and I think that is like fucking despondent, bro. Like that's, he got more thank yous than Kaku and Verone combined. <laughs> I think it's racist against Argentinians, guys. I don't know about you, but oh man. <laughs> Actually, actually, oh, yeah. the, the the current meta in RBNY is being racist against Argentines. So. Actually, that is true yeah, though, because we are a, a confusing state of affairs. <laughs> so. we, we have to be pro Brazil though, which uh, you yeah, know, yeah, I never yeah. thought would yeah, ever see you, happen. See you, see you. Well, you would say uh, "meu amistad com Argentina está finito agora." Uh, Brasil é meu uh, amigo favorito. <laughs> Only knowledge of Brazil is when uh, they just type K after I fuck up in CSGO. <laughs> That's basically about it. Like, I don't know. Que otra, que otra, que otra. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, about, uh, pro, pro Brazil. We're talking yeah. about center backs. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... I, yeah, you know, it's like I, I realize, I, I realize we haven't talked about the strikers now, have we, in much detail? We and, haven't uh, mentioned, you know, we have not mentioned uh, Royer or Barlow or, or really any of the guys up front. We don't have to because we have Fabio and Clamala now. Next, <coughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is going to happen with Royer? I, mean, you know, like, I, I, I recall like uh, when we were just absolutely shot on by Santos Laguna, right back in two thousand nineteen. Uh, sorry to bring that up, but you know I do recall at the time we were like one of the big coping oh, mechanisms we had. We're like imagining what we do if we had a Julio Furch. Well, we have two <laughs> Julio Furches We have two big lads up top. Like this is yeah. Sam. What's the average height of our fucking striker core now? Like six eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's go through it, right? Because like Fabio's six four, Patrick wow, Lamelo really? is six two. Yeah. Uh, he oh, is like six one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, Barlow's a big boy too. Brian White is like five ten, so like that's an average height of what six foot two, six foot one. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, like, that. like at least six feet. Big fast fucking lads, bro. Like, yeah, like finally, finally, we're embracing the talls. The talls yeah. have been an oppressed class for too long. We are no longer being racist against t- tall people. Thank you. Yeah. God, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank yeah. you, thank, thank, thank you, Mr. Schuber, for uh, creating a more diversive and inclusive squad. Uh, for the tech yeah, I mean, it, it, if anything, like having this many guys is like we're gonna play this high energy system, and Struber doesn't have to worry about running guys into the ground if they can all sort of contribute in various ways. Um, thinking about Royer, I think if we think about like how his game works, I'm thinking about like. Not to talk about the national team, but you remember like uh like twenty sixteen era national team where like Clint Dempsey would would just like he'd just be on the bench and then they'd bring him in into the, like the seventieth minute and then he'd have two goals by the end of the game. Yeah, I mean that's I mean like that that has always been my impression of Danny Royer, you know, like you just right. wonder like what the fuck he's doing for eighty five minutes and then Randomly, he's got the ball in the back of the net twice and won the game. You're right, the but, most ne- but then in the world. Struber's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't have, to, I don't have to start you now for you to do that." <laughs> <laughs> you, you can come in at the fifth, uh, at the eighty twenty eighty second minute and score. I um, as soon as it turns think, to eighty the eightieth minute, it it uh, the, the life has been sucked out of the other team. But ironically, <laughs> you are full of life. 
such as the <laughs> it is like the goddess venus being born from a okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> i am um, i, I think like that the new aphrodite daniel <laughs> I am. Um, I think that this this is a big play. The the big boys here. It is just like an enormous brain play by Struber. Like lens, you know, in, in CS, the the concept of like map control. Like yeah, know, of course. It, it's like it, it dictates kind of the the flow of a match. Um, I think Struber's just being five head here and doing like three D pitch control. You know, like making sure that we control not only just like the ground, but also like the 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 other dimension of height. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, you know, and uh, it, it does harken back to one aspect of the way that we attack, right? Where we know that this team's going to send in quite a high proportion of crosses because crosses create the 50-50 situations that trigger the press, right? So in that knowledge, basically, um, having two really tall guys, right, in the middle of the field who can fight for those crosses into the box will not only continually generate like um, those 50-50 situations, but there's it's also like a higher... Two yeah. offers. Yeah, basically, yeah. We basically have a situation <laughs> where we have two guys who may potentially be fighting for those to get on the end of those two balls, right? I mean, like, on those crosses, I should say, sorry. Not through balls, yeah. So, you know, again, you know, it comes back to the height. Fabio, 6'4", Klamala, 6'2", both are relatively fast and physical, and they can fight for those again the end of those crosses like there's clearly like a plan here you know i would probably say that uh our crossing is probably going to be like a classic and like is like to use a cs analogy it's going to be like one of those classic b takes on inferno right where mm. <laughs> like you're smoking out uh the bomb site and then you're just sending the boys in like <laughs> that's basically what it's all about you know? they're just holding angles but when you peek they don't even oh man classic it's gonna be so good man like I, I, i'm actually really excited about to see like our attack this year like, our team has so much utility to lay down lens yeah we're, we've become astralis dude <laughs> sick sorry for uh, divesting in the esports i think there's probably only like two listeners that will probably take from the references that we've just made and that's probably going to be me because i listen um, podcast episodes just uh, it turns out that simple is actually a huge rbny fan Oh, that'd be sick, man. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Germans. See you in hell, Germans. <laughs> hey, isn't um, isn't Shroud a Red Bull player? We should get Shroud to RB, RBA. Shroud? Oh, is he? I actually had no idea, but you know, I think um, you know, I'd like to see someone with a more personality. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. We're a system we... team. We're a system team. <laughs> yeah, of course. Give me, like, uh, well, I mean, Tarek's a free agent now, <laughs> so you know what to do. Anyway, sorry um, for digressing in the esports chat. Um, yeah, I think my completely outlandish um, prediction is that one of those two, like, um, breaks the scoring charts. <laughs> of course, like, uh, it's probably going to end up looking really foolish at the end of the year, but I'm just so excited to see this big boy lineup. No yeah, I mean, look, Lens, I, my prediction is that Fabio is going to have 30 goals, but his one is also going to end on time. Yeah, Pete, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that Peaches was responsible for five trophies, by the way, back when Metrofan TV did video, <laughs> when we became Metrofan Radio. 
Like, <laughs> um, oh yeah, no. My, did you hear my prediction on two hundred two? It's that we're going to get a hundred points this year. <laughs> 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 we're going to draw one game. <laughs> oh my god, it really is five trophy season, isn't it? Oh my goodness, like, oh. Anyway, it's going to be a good year for Brazil, right? I think with Lula being freed and Fabio being signed for RBNY, you know, it's going to it's going to make up for the it's going to make up for the taint of the Neymar Bolsonaro years. I think quite nicely. <laughs> Fabio is personally going to plant all the trees back into the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else have anything to add about our strikers? No, I well, think- no. I think Tom Barlow might have a, a good year. Maybe. I think with it's just like it all comes down to the manager and how he wants to deploy them. It's the same thing with like Sean Davis, like telling him like like him sitting Davis and Tom Barlow down and saying, Hey guys, you don't have to do everything you were trying to do last year. Like we know what you guys are able to do and uh, we can play to your strengths. Yeah. Hmm. I think the only thing that's... Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's going to be... No, it's going to be fun to see an actual, true, full-on two-strikers set up because we've been... Like, every year since, you know, 2016, it's, oh, two-strikers, two-strikers. And even in 2018, it was kind of a weird, like, hybrid kind of thing with with, uh, how the strikers work. This is two full-on, straight-up strikers. Especially since these guys can run. You know, like, we talk about their height, but they're fast as fuck as well like like if you think about like what we talked about right about the episode the direct play direct play from the moment that you get the ball back you're just gonna go boom like having guys like fabio and Klimala who seem to excel at running into the space left behind the defense but you're gonna get quite a fair bit of in transition moments like i think that is grounds for some excitement here folks like i i i i i i think like the strike force loki is going to be one of the highest parts of the team that I'm on this year. Like it's it's kind of funny saying that, right? The defense a bit of a question mark. The midfield is a complete like uh, free for all. It's completely laissez faire. And then you get to our strikers, and it's like, oh my god, oh, you know, like, 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 like I basically turn into a Pepsi commercial every time. Like I see, um, <laughs> every time I think about the the possibilities, which is probably going to be like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just hope it doesn't come back to bite me in the ass in any shape or form. Um, what well, we'll what gives me hope, though, too, though, is is when you hear the more like fair-minded Celtic fans or pundits or whatever over there talk about Kamala, it's it's it seems like he just hasn't had a good time there simply because he just it's just not a good fit for him tactically. Like the way Celtic play and the kind of teams that Celtic uh, uh, face, it's just is not fit his his style of play and his, his his traits at all. And then when you hear when they say what they feel he's good at, it's like, oh, okay, that's exactly what we want for one of our you know for, for my strikers. So it's gonna be fun, man. I'm I'm really, really excited. I actually was pretty excited even before, you know, his rumor, but that just kind of put me overboard. That that's this is gonna be a fun this is this is really fun to see play out, man. I'm really hearing guys be like uh, that, like uh... Oh, I was—I just want to say, like, I'm relieved that it turned out that we're on the right side of the old firm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess this brings us to a Prince Philip Memorial uh, part of the episode. No, it doesn't. A non-moment of silence. <laughs> a non-moment of silence. 
Yeah, I think Rangers fans are in absolute shambles right now, right? Because of that. <laughs> R.I.P. Philip. When does my when, when when does when does Miami play? Because I think there's that thing about uh, that they actually want to do a moment of silence, or they want to wear black arm brands. Oh Prince god! Yeah. Just Why like the fuck? Some Who cares? In fucking yeah. Miami, the Gusano's yeah, in Miami, Miami dude. What the fuck? Well, remember, it's it's Phil Neville, it's it's David Beckham, and it's Ryan Shawcross. So it's like, yeah. I mean, that's shameful. <laughs> yeah, what a combination of, of those guys. All of their all of their season tickets have the Queen on it. President <laughs> Nuke Miami, like holy shit! <laughs> that's cringe, bro. I'm sorry. Like, uh, I don't know why you'd want to do that. Like, like. But then again, I think at this point in his uh, life, I think Bex is definitely a Tory. I know, I don't know about you guys, but definite Tory vibes now. Um, no, not having Miami is like fine. We could get rid of Miami. Yo, like spending nine million dollars on the USL player though—that's a pretty big flex. Not gonna lie. <laughs> oh my god! So, I can't believe they didn't get anyone to get him. Yeah, that's you just know, like, like that's. <laughs> That's the always sunny screen. The gang tries to be roster compliant. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, like someone can literally just send chump change for him, and he'll immediately, like, probably return the ROI. Like the moment he steps into the field, like that's that's what we're looking at here with Matthias Pellegrini. I think that, that you know, that's. Yeah. I wonder if no team wanted to take him because they're so kind of just confused. Well, that. But they're also there's probably it seems like there's still confusion about like his contract to some degree. Maybe they kind of just didn't want to deal with that kind of shit. I mean, apparently he wasn't supposed to be a tan player last year. So from what I remember, with the way the contracts are supposed to be done, is whatever your contract is, your designation is determined by basically splitting that total salary cap hit uh, cap hit across. I think just a guaranteed. So. If like he should have explicitly been a DP last year, so if he wasn't, like, how is his contract actually done? You know what I'm saying? It's like, is there some weird stuff with his contract as far as like the salary cap hit, and, and maybe his team just don't want to do that kind of messy bullshit. Or it's like uh, they knew that they'd have to do some kind of nonsense in order to get roster compliant, and then you could swoop in like on the cheap, like once they've yeah. developed it. You know, I think that would be well, massive. Well, apparently he's done. He cannot. Apparently he cannot play in MLS for any team this season. Wait, are you serious? I yeah. thought it was like I, th- I just thought like Miami won't have him for like twenty twenty one, but anyone else can. No. USL team. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I, I'd have yeah, to. Yeah, I knew he went down to USL League One, which is like the third. Yeah, division. his contract. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to read the article, but I'm like ninety nine percent sure I saw that he that he can't. He can't play in MLS this year because yeah, I think um, that's what that's what whatever say, weird uh, shit they did. Well, I'd be fuming at us. Um, yeah, he's gonna win USL League One with Fort Lauderdale. Then who team. was happy about the existence of Miami? It's like it... Franco Panizzo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he moved. He fucking moved to Florida for that. No, he went to go like be a real a... person. A real person who's not <laughs> wide. Like... Are you telling me Franco's not real? I see him simping on my timeline right now. <laughs> He's real to me. <laughs> no, I, I I don't believe in Franco Benito. <laughs> he has the widest avatar in MLS. 
He's a <laughs> wide Franco. Wide Franco can't <laughs> hurt me. <laughs> um. All right. So I guess. Um, I mean, I don't really think we need to go into the goalkeeping position in too much detail because you can read my once a metro article for that. <laughs> we can. <laughs> I mean, we can. Um, basically, I think my to, to reiterate um, what I said on one semester, right? I think um, pretty interesting sea changes we observed over the season. I think you're actually seeing like a vertically integrated uh, development structure being put in place for the club's goalkeepers to integrate them into the tactical fold like a bit better. Which is, you know, I think like uh, probably one of the lat big step in like realizing like a more realized version of energy drink soccer, right? The goalkeeper traditionally positioned that people kind of think as being incongruous to uh, the rest of the tactical setup. But as tactics have evolved, you know, you're starting to see goalkeepers get involved more in the way, dictating the way, like, for example, their team builds out uh, the back, for example, right? As you saw, I think, for um, some more possession-orientated setups as dictated by Pep Guardiola. But we don't really need to get too much into uh, those because that's like kind of borderline blasphemy in this uh, podcast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think um, in light of that, you know, when I think about what a prototypical goalkeeper looks like, you know, they look for um, athletic shot stoppers who are capable of coming off their line really quickly and dealing in with one on one situations. You know, uh, you know, I think Carlos Cornell definitely fits that bill, right? You know, I think, and it's not really coincidence that this is a guy who's basically spent most of his uh, professional career and a Red Bull or Red Bull adjacent organizations, such as our unofficial affiliate, the Philadelphia Union, right? <laughs> um, that this is probably the closest we have to having a pure Red Bull goalkeeping specimen, you know, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what that, to have a pretty good sample of what that's going to look like, you know, as the season transpires, because it does seem that the team wants him to start the season in goal this year. Um, in the goalkeeping department, I think the other big underlying storyline is what happens to David Jensen. Lord only knows at this point for uh, Dane, you know, I think um, uh, probably still think that when we talk about summer movement, right? that that's probably going to be the logical move that we do to open up a spot and bring in somebody. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, like, uh, hard to see a way back for, for him, to be honest. Like, I, I, I think, I think he's probably the most logical candidate to be moved, personally, to open up a spot. Because it just doesn't really work, it just hasn't really worked out for him, unfortunately. We we should have seen this coming. Like we, why why did we accept that there could be Danes on this team? Ooh. Yeah, the last Wait, the last Dan- Dan- on this team. Like when did was we Richards. let the Danish? Like, what is Denmark? What's Denmark, guys? Seriously, the Denmark's the worst, even worse than the Dutch. What is Denmark? Denmark more like. More like Northern Germany. Actually, I don't want to say that. That's probably a problematic thing to say. Uh-oh. That's probably problematic. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh boy. Oh no. Juan, I do want to. 
I, am I do one too many myself from this uh, production. I do oh, one too many it. Struber impressions that I go off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> I go full Lieben's realm, like oh boy. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say the 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 question mark is Mira's health. Can he can he stay healthy? The answer is he probably seems no. To pretty much be getting. Yeah, so I mean, he he seems to pretty much have gotten injured every year since 2018. Mm-hmm. So it seems you can say do they kind of behind a goalkeeper like a starting keeper? Yeah, it? it's like yeah. he's like as long as you're not yeah. running him every game, and he like he has as a long role as he play. doesn't have to play. Yeah, Ryan Mare is still like the he's healthy as long as he doesn't play, which is a problem. Level, I, perfect I think backup league. keeper, and yeah, also he he, uh, he's like our designated fire marshal, so he pulls double duty. <laughs> <laughs> He's always telling people about where the stairs are. (laughs) Does anybody Um, know where the nearest exit is? If there's a fire on the other side of the door, you touch it with the back of your hand. It doesn't matter if you're barehanded or you're wearing a goalkeeper glove, you touch it with the back of your hand. Um, But, like, like in in terms of, you know, like, Reimer is not... He's not like you know talented enough to go anywhere else bigger, so there's no like flight risk with him. You know, like we don't. He's he's yeah. not like bad enough where we're uncomfortable with him playing a game. He's the perfect backup keeper. Yeah. We're incredibly he lucky to have him because he's like he's like uh, he's he's not bad. Like you think about how many bad goalkeepers there are in this league, and some other like teams are having to sign USL emergency guys because they don't have enough goalkeepers, and we yeah. have like four. Yeah. <laughs> I still think he's like ignoring the injuries, just as, as like, just pure talent and, and him as, as as a keeper. I think he's a, a, a solid starter for well over half the league, in my opinion. You, you, you want to hear my absolute like fan fiction like uh, take that I fire up at least once an episode is that we trade David Jensen for Gianluca Busio like right before the game tomorrow. On the field, they sign on the field. Yeah, <laughs> they have they hold the press conference on the field and everything, and then they just do they, they, they shake on it, and they go Ceremonial to the ceremonial pen tossing, <laughs> pen in the t-shirt cannons and shoot them at the South Ward. Yeah, <laughs> some asshole catches the pen and like it puts it on eBay for like a thousand dollars after the game. It's like touch, touch by David Jensen and Gianluca Busio. <laughs> um, that would be absolute scenes, basically. Uh, I would like to see that. Please uh, get on it, Mark DeGrand Grey. Uh, this is know. the type of fan engagement we're actually looking for. Listen to the listen to the people, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think uh, that kind of does the team from back to front. So uh, I guess the only logical thing to do now is to get into the questions, uh, of which we do have a few, some of which we have touched upon um, you know, some of which we have touched upon uh, in our discussion prior. But uh, let's go into them in a bit more detail now. So as always, uh, we thank you guys so much for uh, sending in your questions. We always appreciate hearing from you guys. We hope that we uh, you appreciate hearing from us still. So thank you for your continued support, uh, even though we don't really record that much or that frequently. <laughs> but we're working on it. So, um, uh, Eric Friedlander, thanks for the five gift subs. <laughs> Weed Boner 69. Thank you for the $10. Um, we'll begin with a question from 
Knud Ferdinand. Thanks, Knud, for the uh, question. Who do you think starts at right back and left back since we have options now? I mean, I think we did talk about the uh, fullback. Uh, we, we tied fullback chat for a little bit. But I think uh, when everyone's healthy and available, I have a feeling the team would be shading more towards Edwards and Goodman. But since Tom Edwards is missing, nobody knows where he is. Probably going to be this year's Anatola Bang. It's going to be Cal Duncan and Andrew Goodman. I mean, I think that's probably... Yeah, I, start, yeah, I agree. For sure. At least to start, yeah. And I think that's probably consensus, right? Here, here's the thing about Kyle Duncan, though, for me. It, it, like, if we're looking at our fullbacks as being kind of wide um, outlets yeah. for plays, right? Kyle Duncan's not that player. Exactly. He is. Exactly. Cuts in a lot, yeah. Which is why I think they signed Tom Edwards, right? Like, right, yeah. He's yeah, not he here did, yet, yeah. but you know, like I but think he, the writing's on the wall with like that that position maybe being up for grabs if if Kyle doesn't do um, what's asked of him. Yeah, and you know, I think he, you do have quite a fair bit of value on the market for a player like Kyle Duncan, like especially considering the green card rules change for twenty twenty two, right? Like the more you have young domestic players who can produce at a relatively yeah. decent level, you are going to be able to get a haul for them within the league. But the question for me is always like, is it worth accumulating assets within the league? I mean, I guess if it's an international spot or something, that's perfectly fine, right? So, international spot and a ton of allocation money is probably what some of my Kyle Duncan fetch. And, you know, I think that's okay with that. You know, if he does, and so long as we get relatively decent value back for a player like that, I think it's okay. Of course, I, like, uh, I will say, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually gets transferred out, only because. It seems like everyone except for like us, like really, really rated him for some reason last season. Like he got so much praise for how well he did last year. I kind of just shrugged my shoulders, like oh, it, okay. Whole, I mean, like there's there's a real reason. Like it, it's an obvious reason. It's the same reason why the Frankie Amaya uh, transfer suddenly gave us exactly. Legitimacy. Yeah, it's yes. it's like the same reason. Yeah. So, yes, but it's, it's nationalism. That, yes, and, and that's the. Re- <laughs> Yeah, but that's the reason why I feel like I don't think he'd end up being on a trading block for like an interleague play. If he's playing like well again, and he's still maintaining that that kind of buzz around him with the you know the the stupid national team, I would I would be surprised if he ends up getting traded within the league and, and he doesn't end up somewhere overseas. Yeah, there were what people were talking about championship clubs poking around, right? Like I I, I think Kyle yeah. Duncan's at that level. Yeah, and he's already yeah, gone I, abroad once. Because remember, we brought him back from Valenciennes in League 2. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that helps with, with that kind of thing because, you know, that's always kind of the, a talking point with people overseas is, you know, you're bringing a young American player. <clears throat> yeah, how well can they adapt? Well, he's he's got at least a little bit of experience, you know, being overseas for a little while. So, bro, I mean, like he's definitely better than like Chris Gloucester. Like, what a fuck! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a loser! My God, has actually he's already on his retirement tour. Little he's on his fucking, fucking retirement tour. Can you believe simp. it? Oh, he's he's on the Zalalem track. <laughs> what a loser! On this. Anyway, um. Yeah, like, we spend more time just talking trash about like I I want to establish like we 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 want to establish that Chris Gloucester is a, a laughable villain. Yeah, he's a chump. Like he's Joe Inga Burgett levels of chumptitude, I think. And it's nice that a city are like <laughs> bringing Stooges to fill that role again. So thanks, guys. 
even getting like just... a negative Celtic manager to manage the team, like holy fuck, you realize like Ronnie Delia being the manager there right. and contrasting that with the players that we brought in from Celtic this year, like <laughs> a lot of like, if you, even, going on. If you have to ask, <clears throat> yes, you boo. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> did an obvious there? booing situation. Yeah, Didn't they bring in some other like on the way out? Sorry. No, didn't City also just recently sign some other like random like Euro American whatever the fuck player that like no one really cares about unless you have like weird spreadsheets and shit? Keaton Parks last couple seasons ago? I don't know. No, it was a recent one. I thought they they, they scooped up one of the weird oh, outskirt wait, players. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I have no about. idea. I wouldn't know because I don't pay attention to this. I'm not a pedophile. I'm not a pedophile. not on the list. My name's not. Oh, wait. wait I'm what's not his being name? monitored by the FBI. Is Alfredo Morales? Isn't he the former Rangers guy? No, Alfredo. No, that's no, 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 no. That's Morello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't put pick up stickers of the U.S. Soccer Federation outside my white van where I wrote my manifesto. Shout out to Caesar Sayak though. I mean, I think that Scuffed is definitely like a young Caesar Sayak. <laughs> Do you, does Scuffed know who Caesar Sayak is? Do we uh, like have confirmation? I, I, I have like no I idea see. where like where like Amsoc weirdos fall in their knowledge of like all that sort Other of stuff. Weirdos. <laughs> because like we, I think we like they should just confront this. You know, I think this will help their their mental illness. Of I think. Of, it's just like Caesar Sayak is just like is this weird confluence of like politics news, but also Amsoc weirdoness, but also uh, 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 Filipino martial art adjacent, but also uh, South Florida uh, boat owning people. It's just a weird personally for me. Like I've probably the eaten at the same rainforest for RBNY Twitter. Like I've probably eaten at the rainforest <laughs> cafe that Caesar Sayak has probably eaten at. In Aventura, Florida. <laughs> we we got to do a Metro Fan TV travel episode where we uh, re 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 rediscover uh, the, the rainforest. <laughs> we go the to the rainforest cafe, cafe. Yeah. <laughs> at the Aventura Mall, and you have to do the Werner Herzog uh, voiceovers the whole time, right? <laughs> I am here at this restaurant is as a facsimile of a rainforest. <laughs> here are the soccer fields where Cesar Sayok used to watch eight-year-olds play and scout their talent. It's a metaphor for the Olympians as they fought the Titans. Uh, okay, um, next uh, set of questions. This is going to be a fun season, right? Like We get to do the Austrian accent. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, and we get to I'm, talk. I'm looking shit. forward to it. I just hope we get to talk unreal amounts of shit again. Like that's that's really yeah. why it's just really just to talk unlock shit. the posting. Yeah, well, I mean, not too much, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Like last Next year was terrible, and yet we still managed to get the Red Bull out there. Yeah, that we, is we haven't even reached our final form. Exactly. So oh, imagine no. what it's going to be like <laughs> when the team is good. I'm sorry. Um, we already know what that looks like because 2018. No, 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 no. Don't know. You said too much, Lens. You're not allowed to say that much. Yeah. This is, yeah. I don't know what you're talking Ooh. about. Yeah. Uh, I've heard leaks. So let's move on to the next set of questions to uh, 
move the on. Writers are real good next season, by the sensitive way. Sensitive issue. Um, with Jensen still. Oh, so sorry. This comes from RBNYUK. So thanks for the questions across the pond, you guys. Uh, with Jensen still at the club this close, is it an unannounced green card likely, or will he still be on the move? In your opinion. Thoughts on the Klimala move, if it happens? Well, I think this basically recaps the episode. It's a pretty uh, opportunity to recap the episode because uh, we inadvertently answered this question. Sorry. Um, well, I do think, you know, all things considered, yes, I think Jensen will probably be the most likely candidate to be moved still, considering all things considered. And uh, on Klimala, I think Fernando touched upon this, you know, um, definitely undervalued. Uh, I think uh, because of the fact that he didn't really fit into fit in very well at Celtic, uh, not that there was really much of a tactical plan at Celtic to talk about under Neil Lennon, but nevertheless, sort of like a square peg in a round hole. Uh, I think um, if you think about the way that we're going to be setting up our strikers this year with uh, all the space that's going to be opening up and uh, people being direct running into space from the word go, I think that there is a fit there, and I am cautiously optimistic that he is going to be a pretty decent option for us, especially when you factor in his height and his physique, which, like Fabio, will mean that he'll be able to fight for those uh, crosses into the box that he seemed to be uh, intent on doing. So anybody else have additional thoughts on Patrick Lamala that you'd like to add? Uh, I'm just excited for Monica uh, and uh, and. Uh... Glodkowski mm-hmm. in our fan base to have a Polish guy up front. Yeah. The Polish contingent I, of RBNY Twitter. The Usually with the Polish, I'd be uh, cautious, though. But, you know, I am also. I agree. It's to activate the entire industry. population of Garfield, New Jersey, guys. You got you to take a I don't know if we have enough tracksuits. <laughs> we can, we can I, always, I do uh, have... I do have the black and red tracksuit from last season that, you know, I never got to wear. Maybe I'll wear that to and squat a lot at RBA. Oh, yeah. I've got my tracksuits ready. Do you have Adidas trainers, though? Yes. <laughs> you, you, you know us. <laughs> do you have Adidas trainers? <laughs> I'm sorry for... Uh, I just had to get, like, on-the-record confirmation just doing the oh, <laughs> now I'm being cancelled and attacked by the cancel by the Twitter mob. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm gonna wear my uh, I'm gonna wear my ninja shoes to RBA. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> You're gonna run to RBA. <laughs> to RBA, I'll have my uh, my Red Bull headband and my blue hair. <laughs> this is like sad because at one point, like a year and a half ago, I did have blue hair. It's all right. We, 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 we all make decisions sometimes. We live in a society, teachers. It's okay. Um, okay, next set of questions from uh, Mostly Bull and Wine. Um, how do you see the minutes break down for the young domestic attackers, Harper, Clark, and Omir? So I think Harper starts a bit deeper in one of the shuttling roles. Um, Clark is obviously a candidate to start at the tip of the um, diamond. I think we haven't really talked about Caden Clark that much. But, you know, I think... Um, as we shouldn't, because he as, is... As we... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I kind of... Maybe a bit of a blasphemous take. I am still a bit on a wait-and-see mode for Caden Clark. I think uh, 
two goals that he scored aside in his debut, you know, um, you're still going to have to see how he handles the mental taking over full time uh, in that attacking midfield slot. Um, he does show some promise, I guess, with his ability to link in that role. Uh, it's going to really come down to his understanding of the press, which I'd kind of like to see a bit more of. So, yeah, I mean, I, I probably have to watch Caden Clark a little bit more to have uh, I think this is the first time we mentioned Clark's name this entire time, by the way. Yes, oh, yes we should. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to stun the Amstock. I don't want to summon the Amsoc Pedos, so I think I'm not really going it's to It's too late, that. Lens. <laughs> <laughs> I said the but also, word, he's I'm 18, sorry. so he's, he, he's 18 now, so he's already no, too old for them. No, um, no we got to set high standards for ourselves here. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not the yeah, lead so singer my... from Brad here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, like, low-key, I might Jesus. just start putting just Amsoc names on the 202 episodes just to increase viewership. Just clickbait now just, just remembering dudes but guys who've been forgotten by the scuff spreadsheet basically my general take about about this player cc uh is that uh i'm gonna think i'm the, the less i think about him the better because uh, then uh, at best i'm su- pleasantly surprised and at worst i'm like oh okay whatever because he's like i forget which team is he going to is he going to leipzig yeah, apparently it's supposed to okay. be Leipzig, he, but no. okay. So, if, so like to me, he's already halfway out the door. Not that his head is turned, but like, okay, he's not long for this world. He's not going to be here for a while. So, if he can contribute, yeah. he great. was if never not, ours. Whatever. Yeah, he was never right, ours. Right. He's not, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's hard for me to really get too invested into him. Like, I did, like, say Tyler Adams. You know, like. He was he was Barcelona trained as well, you know. I mean, like whatever, man. Like if he wants to go, he wants to go. It's good for him. Yeah, he's not, not even gonna... like from our academy. We just like fucking bought him when he was like, right. Just like we... it's funny he's listed as a homegrown. Yeah, it's like he's not even. Yeah, like it, it never felt like he was ours. You know, we like, had to help. We had to be held by for ransom by Minnesota United for him to even like make I, the MLS by or... Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> whatever the fuck they do in minnesota awful place but to be fair Um, if like if if uh if vermi if peter vermi's and sporting kansas city can get random hungarian teenagers as as homegrowns then whatever yeah Yeah. daniel shallowy really okay (laughs) all right um omir i think um yeah i think we talked about it Probably going to be a rotation option to start the year, and I don't know what his best position is in this formation. So I think it's either going to be either at the tip of the diamond or as one of the shuttlers, maybe even as striker depth for all you know, because uh, you know that was the space that he used to occupy. And when yeah. he played in the striker position, it was kind of similar to Brian White in terms of uh, the holdup yeah. play and overall manipulation That's of the half yeah. space. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like there are a whole bunch of places that Omir can fit. So that's going to be quite interesting, which kind of um, yeah. I mean, we have far less sample size than previous seasons of like who we expect to play games. Not just like with like the two preseason games we've had, but also the huge influx of guys. So like, I don't want to be guessing about minutes in this kind of way. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tricky, uh, really. But Same. you know, like we have a real chance here at doing like 
a classic striker, like a classic four four two striker pairing, you know, like big, big, big boy to head on to little lad running behind, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I mean like I yeah, I agree. I th- I think we can see Omir in either the that striker. I, I see him at the the that like tip ten uh ten role because of his dribbling ability, you know. Yeah. Um next set of next he has a follow-up question asking, without having too much intel from preseason, how do you see Harper and Omir fitting into Struber's formation when they do play? Yeah, I think we just answered that, basically. Um, Harper, I think, with his dribbling skill set, probably going to be a shuttler. Omir can fit, I think, any of those three positions I just listed. Uh, and, of course, like uh, that's uh, not discounting the fact that he may switch to a three at the back formation, which opens up a whole bunch of other possibilities. Yet. Oh, yeah, true. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, the big thing is that we have a lot of variety here, a lot of flexibility. We have we have a whole bunch of different looks, which I think is a lot better than what I can say uh, about the last couple of years. So how that looks, I mean, basically, just watch the space, guys. It could be anything by the end of the season, really. Um, anyone have anything else to add? Oh, I guess with Harper, like I could also see him playing as a striker. I don't know. Um, like if if we didn't really get highlights from from the preseason game against DC, but I remember there was the clip that uh, that the team put out that when Harper got fouled in the box for the penalty, he was receiving the ball. He wasn't necessarily dribbling at guys and got fouled in the box. So mm-hmm. even though he was switched out for like CCJ or one of the midfielders, it could be likely that they just changed the shape of the team and he was playing higher up as a striker or maybe as some kind of like player that would drift out wide. Who knows? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And it kind of goes back to the whole thing about Struber being able to change up the look of the team like halfway through the game even. So like Struber's formation when he starts the game could be entirely different from how he sets the team up at the end of it. So even within the game, you're going to be switching, changing roles. It's kind of nuts. So yeah. Watch this space, ladies and gents. It's going to be a really interesting opener, to say the least. Um, final question of the bag from Mike Briseno. Thank you very much for the question. In what position or positions do you think RBNY still needs reinforcement? In my opinion, it's the CAM spot. We lost Kaku, and we have yet to replace him. Clark is promising, but still very young. Um, oddly enough, I kind of disagree, I think, with, this, uh, I, with the CAM spot. Because I think we're not going to be asking the same things of the central attacking midfielder that we have asked previously in, say, like uh, Jesse Marsh's teams or Chris Armis's teams, right? right? Uh, because yeah. the creation in this case is going to be mostly being created by space manipulation in the press. And the 10 will be expected to kind of be shadowing the movement of the strikers to win that ball high up the field, right? So I think that's why you see us going after guys like Frankie Amaya, you see Caden Clark as well, I think, being a candidate for that spot. It's going to be more about creation through space manipulation this year, which is why I don't think we really need quite a, a talismanic attacking midfielder who orchestrates like the build-up, as you would with Sasha Kleshton, or someone like Kaku, who could like uh, who could still play really direct, but it was direct through the point of receiving the ball, turning and moving the ball on within like, um, three... Um, within like three touches, right? You're going to have a more mobile team that's going to be combining quickly and moving the ball up the field directly through quick combinations and dribbles, which is why I think we've signed all these, this litany of guys, right, to take up that position. Like I said at the top of the episode, 
the oh sorry no keep going yeah like i said at the top of the episode um the position i am personally worried about the most is center back and um potentially it's really it's really just center back at this point right and because because i think my impression of the midfield is going to be formed as the season goes along because we don't really know who's going to be lining up in the midfield as of yet so we're going to have to see how that unit transpires as we go along. But we're otherwise really deep in a lot of positions, I think. I, I would say that I, I would like another six, I think, on the mm. team. And I think that's fair uh, considering that. We haven't mentioned Yearwood either this whole time. Which who I also think is a shuttler in the, in this system. So that's like why, well, particularly yeah. why I think that we, we just don't have necessarily the depth of or like different look at six than what we have you know like i i think we have um what might fit right now but you know if, if we're looking for more kind of a, a classic like michael sen type of uh defense like defensive midfielder i don't think we really have that on this roster yeah i think that's my, my take on that is that that is dr is the closest thing we have but you know there's health issues again right yeah. like really hard to consider him "Quote unquote reliable to start the season because of those knee issues, and basically beyond that, you're looking at Yearwood and Sean Davis probably. And I mean, I like I said, I don't really think Davis should be used in that deep spot. So, I mean, Christian Caceres is another option, but you know, I think um, I, I, I I think he he'll be more of a Michael Carrick kind of defensive midfielder, right? Like uh, the guys who aren't physical, they're not mobile, they don't cover a lot of ground. They're going to be they're going to be working the game more by like sitting at the base of the diamond, reading the game, and intercepting by moving into space, which is a different kind of just show called together. But you don't really have anyone in that midfield destroyer type other than Tiara, I don't think, for sure. Right, and if he goes down, then we don't have anyone back. Yeah, then we're fucked. Like, Unless, we, you know, like we, we still, I don't know, like we probably still don't know what John Tolkien's fucking position is. So. Yeah, Tolkien, Tolkien being the wild card. Yeah, I mean, like, just talk about guys who've just been completely forgotten after like a brief promising spell in the USL, right? If you just completely overtaken by Caden Clark hype. Uh, I've used, I haven't booked <laughs> that name much, so I'm not really going into that in too much detail. I mean, Tolkien did play some minutes at defensive midfield. Uh, so uh, basically, I just hope his, uh, he wasn't really helped much by the um, disruption to the season last year, and of course, like being coached by Chris Ognis, but um, hopefully, at Red Bull Two this year, he gets more. He gets the reps that he needs to uh, kind of kickstart um, his development to a higher gear. Basically, yeah, that's kind of my stance on that. Anyone else have any opinions on uh, where we need to uh, shore up? No, I, I mentioned center back earlier. I you know, went pretty deep into that. That's that's my biggest. That's that by far my biggest concern. Six, though, I, I I didn't think about that. Six is probably a, a I don't know if I'll a close second, but that's definitely probably my second my second uh position of, of concern. But definitely center back. I will say though, I think like uh, with uh, Matt, Matt, Manny Egbo potentially not really being with the team that much this season, the fullback slots get a bit dicey. I think he could back because I was kind of counting on him a bit to be um, to be that backup basically. I mean, I guess Pendant will presumably be the backup for left back, but Egbo's value was the fact that he could play both positions to a relatively high degree. 
um, which is why I think like it's I, I find it a bit strange that he was the one sent alone down. Um, but you know, again, like I think I build a thesis that it could be just you know your 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 continuation of your Red Bull tool rotational loans, right? Where the uh, guy who gets sent down to USL will differ week to week to week, right? As we used to see. Um, maybe Egbo starts the season down on loan, but they need defensive midfield. They send him, and then they send down someone like, say, Wickelman Carmona, another name that we haven't really talked about as much. And I guess, um, you know, even though we answered the questions, uh, you know, I think it is worth taking a bit of attention to talk about Carmona for a little bit, I guess, because, you know, I think, um, yeah, basically it's going to be a rotating door down at USL again. Um, could be some, some days it could be Egbo, some days it could be Carmona, some other players on the team maybe under periphery to open up roster spaces to see. But of course, it all depends on whether or not the uh, pandemic restrictions lift, because um, that's going to be a big, another big confounding factor. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's all that we've really got with regards to previewing the 2021 mm -hmm. season from the Red Bull perspective. I think it would be, on a more personal note, it is pretty great that. We're making enough progress where we can start to see people at the arena again. You know, I'm sure a lot of you guys have been waiting for this moment for quite a while now. And you guys have really had to suffer through a lot of darkness to even get here, right? So um, hopefully it's a nice ray of sunshine for you guys to hold on to because I think it's all about appreciating the little things right now. Um, definitely always a nice escape, right, to get down to the arena and watch a game, you know? I mean, like, we haven't had that experience in so long, and I'm sure it must feel amazing that you, uh, uh, that we're even at this point, you know? So, yeah. um, that being said, you know, I don't really have a lot to say about the SKC game in particular, because, I mean, there's a lot of things that are up in the air. Um, there are... Um, not a lot of big takeaways that you can definitively draw on from 2020 because of how unusual that season was. So I don't really think it's right to um, talk about the opposition in depth as much. I just know for a fact that they will be missing quite a fair bit of players, right? There are two goalkeepers on the top of the depth chart being out, Alan Pulido being doubtful for the game. And um, I think, and I think, uh, very new look back line being deployed in Kansas City that apparently likes to play out of the back. So um, going to be interesting to see how the, whether or not the press can uh, feast upon that. But I think on that note, of all that's the other thing is that you know of all the of all the player personnel that we've seen over during this offseason, it may be take them a bit of time, especially with all the canceled preseason games, for them to iron out the kinks in the system. And that we wouldn't be surprised to see maybe the team cut up a bit of a slow start and then pick it up, uh, you know, as the hotter months hit, you know, as they grow accustomed to their roles and they understand the system a little bit more. But, you know, of course, that really falls upon the work of Gerhard Schuber. Uh, we have the players, Mr. Schuber. I hope you, I really do hope that you make us uh, not shit and full of yanks. Um <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else have a want to make a prediction of how they think the season's going to go? I guess just to round out the episode. You already heard mine. Yeah. The craziest thing that's going to happen this year is Warriors still not going to get a green card. <laughs> Wait, does any Warriors still not have really still not he have does, a green? He does not have a green card. 
What is wrong <laughs> with our immigration lawyers? I think he's doing it as a bit at this point. That's the only explanation. He's an Austrian nationalist. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to uh, restore the Austro-Hungarian Empire and uh, murder. Even the Austrians were an Austrian like fucking nationalist. Their their name means East Empire. They don't even think that they're at the center of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at China, like Zongguo. Middle Kingdom fuckers eat my nuts. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's some fucking BDE right there. You know, like fucking. No, we're the East Empire. We're we, excuse me, sir. We are the East Empire. We're not even in the center. <laughs> <laughs> and China just not hear me. Like, yes, we are the center of the world. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> are you going to record history with paper? Huh? Let's invent that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these fucking cavemen writing shit on the walls. What a bunch of losers! <laughs> yeah. Watch this I, shit. I have a Does question. Invents what? firefight, a firecracker. <laughs> Wait, what was it? What was your question? So, what, what's what's you guys' range? Your prediction range for us? At, given all the variables, what do you think is our 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 high? What do you think is our ceiling? And what do you think is our floor? That's the crazy thing is that our seal, our potential ceiling is really high and our potential floor is really low. <laughs> It'd be really low. I mean, like, look, it's 2015 vibes again, right? Like, nobody knows what to make of this team. You've lost a talisman. You've lost a manager. I mean, the manager being lost in this case may be a boon. But to be honest, losing Petkey was also a boon in the long run because we brought in a guy who had a significantly higher tactical acumen and wasn't homophobic. So... Um, <laughs> you know, in, in that sense, it's 2015 vibes again, right? Only without but the like, Let's that? be real about what really low here means. Like, really low here, like, still means we eke into the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I think the low would be a continuation of Armus's bullshit, which I feel is not going to happen. Famous last words, because I am sneakily, like, excited about how this team's going to turn out. I think we're going to be turning some heads this year. Low key. Like, I can't shake this feeling that, you know, I mean, like, just a semblance of there being a plan. Maybe that's my standards, like, drop dropping through the floor as a result of Chris Armis. But there was a plan. There are very clearly the players that fit a prescribed archetype that they were looking for and they brought in. Which all indicates to me that they're fitting all these pieces into a coherent system, which is going to once again elevate the baseline of all the players that fit. Right. So, um, in that sense, you know, I, I think it would be a bit foolish to count us out definitively from the start. It's going to be interesting seeing how it develops, but I think we could be in for a pretty decent. So we're going to be the season surprise packaging it basically. It doesn't matter how good we are, though. It's just like the rest of the league is shit. And like, yeah, exactly. Really no, that's the thing. Like, yeah. like, like, the rest the of the rest league, 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 league has not made season. moves. We have. Yeah. Philly lost the best made. guy, right? And Brendan Aronson. Like, you know, like anything can happen. Like, we've been making moves while the rest of the teams mostly stay stagnant. I don't really see how it's going to be. I mean, like, I, 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 I think there's grounds to be optimistic. No, that's that, 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 that's my standpoint. Yeah, that, that that was a big thing really for most of this offseason was 
most of the teams in this league just weren't doing shit. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we're ending the preseason or ending the offseason with with uh, with 12 players. Tech, I'm guessing sometime next week. But regardless, you know, most teams really didn't do much. So at the, I feel like most teams probably are mostly at the same level of, as last year. Maybe a little bit better because things are a little bit more normal. But as far as like roster or management, I mean, this no, no team in the league I think has, has come close to the, the changes uh, as this team. Um, I think our I think our ceiling is probably second in the East. I think our floor is sixth, but I, I think we'll end up like third. I think we'll finish third in the season. We're gonna I think we're gonna start off a little bit slow, and as things pick up, I think by by like June. We're we're gonna start seeing some uh, some good EDS score lines. I think that's fair. I like Steve's okay. prediction though of supporters shield and we win like four five trophies and oh I guess four trophies now since the US Open Cup get canceled. But then we send like our first string and second string lineups to compete in CCL and they uh, I, <laughs> and they I'm fight. Glad you brought that up. I'm glad. I'm glad because actually, I, I meant to bring this up earlier about the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup canceling actually really works in our favor. In a way, yeah. One of one of the things I was kind of worried about is with as much of a turnover as we've seen, it's obviously going to take a bit for you know for uh, a, a solid like typical starting eleven to kind of form or a chemistry that would even ex- yes and, and chemistry and that becomes harder when you're forced to rotate on a really congested schedule with the u.s open cup fact that we're not in the u.s open cup there is no u.s open cup and we're not in that stupid fake leagues cup tournament all this team has to worry about is a regular season and i think that's going to be a big help for uh for, for everyone kind of building a chemistry and, and kind of just getting things a little settled in yeah um... I guess uh, I think I think that just about does it for us here in this episode, for sure. Um, I think uh, that's yep. a pretty good note to end on. I would say. Um, I guess um, if anybody wants to fire off some closing remarks before we round out the episode, you know, people are people want to sign. They wanted to sign a guy. They wanted to sign a talismanic player, but it's not. It's not going to be about a guy. It's about guys. It's about guys being dudes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and we have plenty of guys being dudes on this roster, I would think. You know what I mean? Energy energy dude soccer. Energy dude soccer. <laughs> I guess that's gonna be the next evolution, eh? It's like uh it's like uh you know like the old versions of Pro Evo pro of a Pro Evo winning eleven was they like winning eleven six final evolution. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be. This, I I hope this is our final evolution, boys. Like I I can't wait to uh, see uh, soccer being played at Ripple Arena again. I mean, like uh, still some ways away before we're back in the full swing of things. But hopefully, in a global and in a soccer sense, we're starting to see a bit of a return of normalcy. I mean, I think certainly things have settled down here in Singapore a bit more. Um, hopefully it's the same in America because uh, Lord knows that uh, this pandemic's taken an absolute toil in a lot of people, man. Like, it's uh, not a good time. Uh, 2020 was not a good year to be alive at all. And uh, hopefully now we're starting to see a bit of uh, that re- restoration of normalcy. So I guess on that note, you know, good vibes only, 2021, hopefully. Um, oh, yeah. 
see you all on Saturday. I guess that's all that's really left to see. See you all Saturday evening. Uh, Juan Peaches, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here. Oh, of course. Well, of course. I mean, like, it's, it's not very valuable. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nando, it's great to talk to you again, buddy. Um, yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Metric Fan TV, we'll see you hopefully not too soon in the near future. We're saying peace, good night, and if you're listening to this, for old time's sake, tweet 69 to Andrew Weeby. God bless you all. Good night. Just been in this place before Higher on the street And I know it's my time